You are listening to a podcast by Spring Hill Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Spring Hill Church is called to reach everyday people with God's grace, His unconditional love, and the life-changing power of His Word. Thanks for listening, and if you would like more information, you can visit us online at springhill.cc. Well, let's pray, everybody, and we'll get into the Word. Heavenly Father, we love you, we thank you and praise you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Father, thank you for another opportunity that we have to gather in your presence, to gather in your word. And Father, we believe tonight to receive from heaven. We thank you, Father, for speaking to our hearts. We believe for the Holy Spirit, who Jesus said is our teacher, that he will teach us and lead and guide us into all truth. And Father, we expect to receive from him. We expect to receive revelation and insight. And Father, we'll be mindful that when we hear the word of God, that we'll not just be hearers only, but we'll be doers as well. And we thank you that it'll cause change to take place in our lives. And we praise you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. Well, if you all want to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'm going to make some statements to kind of review what we talked about last week, and then I'll meet you there in 2 Corinthians 10 in just a few moments. Uh, but this is week number two. We're talking about spiritual warfare, and we really, really, um, I want us to get a hold of this because there's some really, really powerful truths from the Word that we're going to look at. So let me just make some statements. And by the way, if you if you miss anything that I'm getting ready to say, it's all on the website. You can uh, download it there, or you can write it down, whatever you choose to do. But in in discussing the the subject of spiritual warfare, we we must always remember that the battle has already been won, that Jesus won the victory for us in His death, His burial and his resurrection, and he paid the price for us on the cross. And so the good news of all of this is that the same Jesus who accomplished all of that, the same Jesus who defeated the devil, the same Jesus who won the victory for us, now lives on the inside of us by the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, scriptures uh, like 1 John 4, 4, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world, we always need to remember that and to, you know, I would suggest to us that don't ever let the devil put you in a victim mindset and a victim uh, way of living. In other words, you are already victorious in Christ through what he's done for us. And so again, in, in talking about spiritual warfare, we, we must always approach it from a place of already having obtained the victory. We are not trying to get the victory. Uh, just like you're not trying to get saved. If you're trying to get saved, stick around uh, and after this Bible study is over and we'll settle that issue once and for all for you and make sure that you're saved. But you know, the good news is we don't have to wait to heaven to find out that we're saved or not. We can know that now just like we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to have victory over the works of the devil. We can have victory over those things now. Why? Because Jesus already won the victory for us. And so we just need to change our mindset from, from a place of always trying to get the victory, always trying to get my healing, always trying to get the blessing of God on me and realize that you already are the healed. You already are blessed. You already are victorious. And our role in what we're supposed to do in the earth is to simply enforce that, to carry that out as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what we want to do in, in this study, as I mentioned to you last week, is we want to approach the subject of spiritual warfare from the Bible, from looking at it from the Word of God and understanding what the Word of God says. And, and I would encourage you, uh, you know, set aside maybe anything that you've heard in the past about spiritual warfare because there have been some tendencies in the past uh, to have some extreme things and extreme teachings and so forth. 
And, and again, we want sound teaching, teaching that is based on the Word of God. And so I gave you there are three aspects to spiritual warfare that we need to be made aware of. The first one is this, taking control of your mind or renewing your mind, doing something about your mind. The Bible is very explicit about that and tells us that for us to be changed, for us to be transformed, we must renew our minds. And I'm thoroughly convinced that um, if we will renew our minds, we'll stop a lot of the devil's activity in our lives. It's because of wrong thinking that he's able to introduce into our lives that gives him access, that gives him an inroad. And so I believe that as we renew our minds, and I believe the Bible teaches as we renew our minds, we close the door on these opportunities for the enemy to be able to gain the access. The next aspect of spiritual warfare is crucifying our flesh, putting our flesh under. And of course that works hand in hand with renewing your mind. They both are connected. They're both uh, work together. You're not going to be able to control your flesh and gain the upper hand over your flesh without changing your thinking. and. Uh, you know, changing your thinking about your flesh and how it dominates you and so forth. But the thing that we're going to have to do, again, the flesh is a way or an entrance, if you will, that the devil likes to gain access into our lives. And when we're talking about the flesh, we're not talking about necessarily, uh, you know, skin and bone or flesh and bone, but we're talking about the fleshly desires, the carnal nature that likes to rear its ugly head in our lives every now and then. So when we learn to renew our minds and we learn to crucify our flesh, put it to death, then what we have done is we have probably closed the door on the largest portion of what the devil would try and do in our lives. Because again, he's going to work through those two areas. Listen, he can't work through your spirit. Your spirit is born again, belongs to God. God lives there by the Holy Spirit. So if he's going to be able to gain access into your life, it's going to be through your mind or through your flesh. And then the last aspect of spiritual warfare is just straight dealing with the devil. And again, I think uh, a lot of people in the body of Christ have gotten this flip-flopped where they feel like they have to deal with the devil head on and then just, you know, kind of whatever happens with their mind and with their flesh. And, and that's exactly opposite of the way that it needs to be. Again, if we will deal with our mind and we'll deal with our flesh, we'll find that a lot of what the devil tries to do in our lives, the door will be closed on that. Now, here's something that I want you to understand. And you might want to write this down. Whenever the devil does attack or whenever the devil tries to work in our lives, when we have an attack of the enemy, Jesus wants to match that attack with an even greater blessing and victory in our lives. You'll never find where, uh, when you come out on the other side uh, of an attack of the enemy and you've gained the victory by standing in faith, standing on the word and so forth, you will find that that the Lord will never equally match that victory. In other words, the victory will always be more than what the attack was, more than what the devil tried to bring to pass, that the Lord will always exceed. You know, you've heard um, stories from the Old Testament where the Lord would promise uh, even the children of Israel that if they would obey and, and follow what he tells them to do and and of course overcome the enemies that they uh, were going into the land to possess, that he would give them double for any trouble that the enemy tried to bring into their lives. And that's just the nature of the Lord, okay? Here's another thing that I want you to write down, please. And that is this, most battles, most spiritual battles are fought and won because we are faithful to heed the Holy Spirit's direction and warnings to deal with some area in our lives. Again, most battles are fought and won because we are faithful to heed the Holy Spirit's warnings to deal with some area of our lives before it gets out of control. 
Now, let me show you or, or just explain to you how that how that works. Jesus said in John the the 14th and the 16th chapter, he said that that one of the ministries that the Holy Spirit will accomplish is he will show you things to come. And uh, what I believe part of that involves is that I believe that the Holy Spirit will warn you ahead of time when the adversary is trying to or is going to try and deal with some area of your life. You'll find that a lot of times in your life as a believer that, you know, is see, and the Holy Spirit doesn't always reveal that side of it. What he will do is he will begin to deal with you about a certain issue that you need to deal with in your life. And, and a lot of times it just thinks, you know, seems like that we're having to constantly deal with stuff in our lives. But what the Holy Spirit is, is not showing you is these are areas where the enemy would like to gain access. And what he's trying, he, the Holy Spirit is trying to do is help us head that off at the pass. Just stop it from the get go. And so if it seems like, you know, the Holy Spirit is constantly dealing with you about things in your flesh or things in your thinking that need to be changed, what he's trying to do is to prepare you ahead of time for something that the enemy would like to bring to pass in your life. Uh, he, you know, again, you know, let me just explain to you how the enemy works, and that is this. He can't read your mind. He's not all-knowing. He's not all present. He's a fallen angel. And, and he cannot predetermine what you're going to do and how you think by simply looking at your heart and reading your mind like God can. God is the only one that can see your heart. God is the only one that knows your thoughts. He's the only one that knows your words before you speak them. Uh, but what the enemy does is he has to observe your life. He has to watch your life. And what he does is he looks for behaviors and he listens for words. He looks for behaviors that demonstrate a weakness in your life. And then he listens for what you are saying, words that he can take advantage of in your life. You know, the scripture says in Proverbs 18 that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And when we speak uh, death producing words, the enemy wants to accommodate you in bringing those things to pass. And so that is how he observes our life and he probes our life looking for areas of weakness and uh, open access that he can gain into in order to steal, kill, and destroy, which is his mission. So what the Holy Spirit does to cut that off and head it off at the pass is that he will reveal those areas to you in advance before the devil has a chance to work on you against in that area. So, you know, if he deals with you in an area of your flesh um, that, you know, he wants you to tighten up on, then just simply obey and, and do what he leads you to do because he's trying to help you and he's trying to protect us, okay? Now, write this down, please. Spiritual warfare is not a momentary gust of emotion, okay? A lot of people think that that's what it is, that you go to a service, you know, a prayer service, and, uh, you know, you get all worked up and, and uh, you know, working up all this emotion and stuff, and, and uh, spiritual warfare is not that at all. Spiritual warfare is not a gust of emotion to try and scare the devil off or try and frighten him. Listen, he's not moved by that kind of stuff. He is not affected by you working yourself up to a frenzy to where you're sweaty and, and spitting and all that kind of stuff. That, phases, that does not phase him at all. Okay, so understand that. It's rather quite the opposite. Okay, spiritual warfare, get this, is a specific condition of the mind and spirit that involves a lifelong commitment. Okay, it is a condition of your heart, a condition of your mind that involves a lifelong commitment. You know, so let me say it to you this way. You know, in the natural, 
Some folks will sign up for the military and go to work for uh, the armed forces, and they might sign a three, five-year contract. I don't know now what the contract terms are. And uh, so they'll serve their time, and then they, they get out of the military and enter civilian life again. And uh, so they, you know, they have the mindset that, okay, I'm done with warfare. And uh, spiritually, for the believer, it is not that way at all. You do not engage in battle, and then when the battle seems to be over, you're done with spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is a lifelong commitment. You know, uh, when you got born again, you signed up for a lifelong commitment to walk in what Jesus has purchased for you, to walk in the victory that Jesus already got you uh, at the cross. So it is not so much um, an, a, a gust of action or a gust of emotion. It is an action that is, is, is a determined and committed attitude of your heart and your thinking. In other words, let me say it to you this way. Understand that as a believer, and, it, and somebody says, well, how do I get out of spiritual battle? Go home to be with the Lord. That, that's really the, the short end of it. Go to heaven, okay? Because you won't have to deal with the devil in heaven. So as long as you're here in this earth and as long as you are a born-again believer, you're going to have to deal with your adversary. But again, we've made it much harder, much more difficult than it has to be because, again, Jesus did all the work for us. But be in it to win it. Be committed. Be committed to stand and to do what's necessary to enforce and carry out that victory. You know, I think about, uh, we talked a little bit Sunday about a lot of the things that the Apostle Paul experienced and the, the attacks upon him, not only spiritually speaking, but the devil using people to harass and persecute he and his team for preaching the gospel. And yet, in spite of all of those attacks, we never read in the scripture where Paul failed morally, where he compromised in his ministry, his personal dedication and consecration to the Lord never, never floundered. He never backed down from that. And, and so what we see is that in turn was his greatest defense against the enemy. In other words, Paul did not quit when the pressure was on. And so here's what I want to tell all of us, and that is this. Take the word quit out of your vocabulary. Take it out of your mindset. Take it out of your thinking whatsoever, and that you are in this thing to, to win it, so to speak, and you are in it, and, and that'll be a large, large portion of you walking your victory out. Because again, you know, one of the things that the devil wants you to do is quit. That's what he's trying to apply the pressure for. And so, you know, Galatians 6 tells us that if uh, don't be weary in well-doing or, you know, or doing right or standing in faith or standing on the word of God, for if you won't get weary, you will reap, you will win if you don't quit. Okay? So what that tells us, let's look at the opposite for just a second, is that that pressure is designed to get you to quit. That pressure is designed to get you to back down. So you're going to have to settle it in your heart and settle it in your thinking from the beginning that I am not quitting. You know, um, there are a lot of Christians that, uh, you know, let a lot of pressure be generated in their life and then they you know, are tempted to throw in the towel that they, you know, want to backslide, go back to their old way of life. No, you got to make up your mind that that is not an option. Okay. So decide to do that. Now, a lot of times people approach spiritual warfare from, from the posture of, uh, it's an instant fix. Okay. What do I mean by that? Uh, you know, our society, our culture is microwave everything, drive through everything. You know, we want it quick. We want it now. 
and we don't want to have to wait on it, all right? And unfortunately, your life as a believer cannot be based that way. You know, Dave Ramsey says this about uh, financial peace, and that is this, financial peace is not microwave, it's crock pot. And the believe, life of the believer is the same way. Uh, there is no victory that's going to be won in your life that is microwave. All of it is going to be approached crockpot style. You know what that means, right? You put something in the crockpot. Well, let me say it another way. You put something in the microwave and you can heat it up and have somewhat of a meal in five minutes. But if you want a good meal cooked in a crockpot, the best ones take hours to just put in the crock pot and you let it cook all day long. So what is my point? My point is this, victory that is worth having is going to take time and it's going to take effort. So in our lives as believers, just make up your mind again that this isn't a quick fix. This is something that is, is deep it's going to be deeply rooted in my life. Uh, I'm going to make new habits. I'm going to adjust my life and do whatever it takes to win. And, and so, you know, again, there's no such thing as an instant cure. All of this is a process. Okay. All right. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to read verses 3 through 5. And I want to talk about something, and we've used this scripture many, many times, talking about uh, the mind and renewing your mind and the stages of thought that are explained here by Paul. But verse 3 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. You remember that we said last week that the word war or warfare only appears five times in the New Testament. This is one of those cases, as we said last week, and so, verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not fleshly, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments or imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, <coughs> excuse me, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, I've talked about this. I've taught to taught it. Uh, you know that there are three levels of mental activity that are described in these verses. The first one being thoughts. The next one being imaginations. And if those aren't dealt with properly, they will lead to strongholds in your life. So Paul maps that out. But that's not exactly what I want to talk about. In verse four, when it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. I want you to underline the word warfare in that particular verse. The word warfare, because it's a little different than what you might think it means. Okay, The word warfare in verse 4 comes from the Greek word stratos, S-T-R-A-T-O-S, stratos, which is where we get our word strategy from. Okay, so the word warfare is translated from the Greek word stratos and is a huge key in defeating the attacks of the enemy. It's where we get our word strategy. So let's go and let's, let's put that in there. So for the, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our strategies are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. So what this tells us is the weapons of our warfare are supposed to be strategic. Um, let me define it for you this way. If you're familiar with firearms at all, there's a difference between uh, a rifle and a shotgun. You know, if you've ever fired a shotgun, a shotgun has shotgun shells that are filled with tiny little pellets. And when you fire it, the 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 charge, the, the gunpowder just shoots those pellets and scatters them in, in a distance over a period of time and space. And, and it's a very, very wide shot versus a rifle. When you fire a rifle, you have a bullet that is fired and it's very sharp, very precise. 
and very strategic. Now, here's my point in saying that. A lot of us approach spiritual warfare, we approach, approach prayer with a shotgun aspect and not a rifle aspect. And God wants you to begin to use these things with a, a bullet rifle mindset, meaning you are aiming and you're accomplishing something with a strategy on purpose. Okay, do you see the difference? A lot of times we've used our faith as a shotgun shell and, you know, we just pray and we scatter stuff everywhere. God is wanting us to use our faith, to use prayer, to be precise and to be sharp and very strategic in where we are aiming and what we're aiming at. Okay, so write this down, please. In order for spiritual weapons to work effectively. In order for spiritual weapons to work effectively, they must be accompanied with a divine strategy on how to use them. In order for spiritual weapons to work effectively, they must be accompanied with a divine strategy on how to use them. Um, see, God has given us believers everything we need to defeat the enemy. But most of the time, we don't have a strategy on how to use these weapons, the tools that God has given us, and, and what to do. We don't know what to do or what the strategy is when the attack comes. Okay? And so what... what what God wants us to see is that weapons absolutely will not be successful if there is no strategy behind them. I mean, it's natural warfare. You know, they understand uh, there is great science that goes into warfare, believe it or not. And, uh, you know, commanding officers, leaders, in warfare, in military circles, uh, map out very specific strategies in what they're trying to accomplish. And so God wants us to operate the same way, spiritually speaking, where warfare is concerned, and he wants to give us strategies. Notice what it says in verse 4 again, for the weapons of our warfare, the strategies are not carnal, but they're mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds. So these strategies are not going to come from your mind. They're not going to come out of your flesh. They're going to have to come from heaven. They're going to have to come by the Spirit of God. And a lot of times we have approached spiritual warfare. We've kind of known some things that we needed to do, but we didn't have a strategy from heaven on how to use them, how to implement them, and so we've just kind of used them and hope that they work, okay? And so that's not the way we need to operate in this. Now, here's something you need to understand. Not every spiritual attack, not every stronghold is going to be the same. The devil's smarter than that. Now, he hasn't changed his methods of operation, uh, but... He will vary things enough, all right, so that um, he'll learn, like if you get stronger in one area, he's not going to attack you in that area anymore. He can figure that out. And he will change his methods just a little bit, vary them just a little bit uh, to come at you a different way. And so what we need to understand is that every stronghold, every spiritual attack will require its own strategy in order to win and overcome that attack. Okay, so please note that. Every attack, every effort of the enemy, when he comes at your life, is going to require its own strategy in order to be overcome. So again, where do we get that strategy from? It's going to come from the Lord. 
And God will give you a specific strategy on how to deal with that area, that issue, that attack. And listen, because here's what we like to do. <clears throat> Excuse me. We like to, um, we're creatures of habit, okay? So if, if we experienced an attack, let's say, something came against us and we fought the good fight of faith and we won and we overcome in that area, well, when another attack pops up, what we like to do is revert to, to the strategy we used that the other time and implement it this time and sometimes it might not work. Why? Because even though the principles of faith are the same, even though the Word of God never changes, there might be a different strategy that God wants you to use in this particular situation. You know, I'm reminded in the Scriptures, I believe it's in, in Chronicles, when David, uh, before he ascended to the throne and became king, You'll recall, and we've looked at it before in Bible study, but you'll recall where uh, the Philistines came and took the wives and children and all of their property of he and his 300 men while they were out doing something else. The Philistines came in and took all of that from them. And so you remember, and the, and the, the men, David's men, were so distraught, so upset about it, that they, they got upset at David and wanted to stone David. And so this is the scripture where it says David went before the Lord and he encouraged himself in the Lord. And then he asked the Lord, Lord, do I go up after the Philistines? And so the Lord told him, he said, yes, go up and, and you will overcome them. I'll give you the, the victory. And so David did. And this is where we get the phrase, it's in Hebrew, Baal Perazim, which means God of the breakthrough. That's where that came from. Well, just a short time later, the same thing happened. The Philistines returned, they came again and attacked David and his men. And so David was wise enough to go before the Lord and to ask God, do I go up before, do I go up after them? And the Lord told him, yes, but don't do it the way you did last time. And so the Lord mapped out to him. He said, and this is my paraphrasation, but he told David and his men, go through the woods this time, the trees. And he said, I will cause it to sound like there is a great army approaching the Philistines. And David did what the Lord told him to do. And before David and his men even got on the scene, the Philistines rose up and fled, left everything there, and they fled because God made it sound like the wind blowing through the, the leaves, like it was this huge army attacking the Philistines. So what's my point? My point is this. If David had just assumed that we need to approach this like we did last time, he might have endangered his men and lost the battle but because he got a new strategy from the Lord. Now, the faith principles were the same. The word didn't change. It's just the way that David walked it out changed, and God gave him a new strategy, and because of that new strategy, they were able to win the victory. And so what I'm wanting you to see is that when you're dealing with the forces of darkness, don't make assumptions. Always go and spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer, and finding out the heart and the mind of God and get the strategy that you need for this particular situation. Because it might not be the same. You know, let me give you an example uh, to maybe bring it to your thinking. So let's say you get attacked, financially speaking, and uh, last time you did that, the Lord led you uh, to, to give your way out of that particular attack. And he told you where to, to give your finances and so forth. And so, you know, that happens. You get the victory. Later on down the road, another financial attack comes. Well, again, what we have a tendency to do is do what I did last time. Well, the principle is going to be the same in that, you know, if you, if you need finances and you, 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 are waiting on a harvest, sow, sow seed, 
But here's what the, the change might be. The strategy might be God wants you to do something different. There might be somebody else that he wants you to give to. There might be some other thing that he wants you to do uh, in sowing that seed that will facilitate the victory, but it's different than what you did, did last time. So God will give you a strategy. So again, in 2 Corinthians 10, what he's telling us is the weapons of our warfare will be effective when we get heaven's strategy on what we need to do, where we need to do it, and how we need to do it. Okay? So the Holy Spirit will show you um, what you need to do, and he will instruct you on when and what to attack. Now, I'll say this to you. Sometimes, and there are some examples in the Old Testament, but sometimes, here's what God will do. Let's say the enemy is attacking you over here in, uh, well, let's just use this example. Let's say this. The, the enemy's trying to introduce sickness and disease in your life, okay? And of course, we know healing has been bought and paid for. It belongs to us as the Lord Jesus Christ uh, has provided healing for us. But here's something, you, you know, and, and of course our tendency is to uh, approach it with the Word, and we should attack it with the Word of God, using our faith, standing on the, the Word of God. But here's something that you need to understand is that a lot of times an attack in one area could be a result of something that you're, you let slip in another area. For instance, that physical attack, you go to the Lord and you say, Lord, I don't seem to be gaining the victory in this area. Give me a strategy. What is it that I need to do? Well, the Lord will deal with you and say, well, you need to go ask so-and-so for forgiveness because you offended them. Well, that, has, that seemingly on the surface doesn't have anything to do with you getting sick. But it really does because what that did is it gave an, an entrance for the enemy to be able to bring sickness into your life and so again, our assumption would be, I just need to attack the sickness, wherein if, if you will go and do the strategy that God gives you, then you'll gain the victory in both areas. Okay, does that make sense to you? Amen, I'll amen myself, all right? Okay, so, okay. Spiritual weapons have absolutely nothing to do with the flesh or activity of the flesh. Absolutely nothing. Okay? So learn to separate the two. Learn to separate activities of your flesh and spiritual weapons and spiritual warfare. Because again, what believers try and do is use outward, physical, fleshly techniques in, in trying to defeat the enemy and call it spiritual warfare. Okay? And it's not spiritual warfare at all. All right? The only thing that wins spiritual warfare, and get this, is the authority that Jesus has given you and that authority residing in your spirit is what causes the devil to yield and to obey. It has nothing to do with you or your flesh or your uh, who you are, your, your position in life, or whatever that might be, it all rests in what Jesus accomplished for us and the authority that he gave us and that is already on the inside of you. It's when you respond out of that is when the devil will yield. Us jumping around, doing stuff in our flesh, whatever we want to call spiritual warfare that is not spiritual warfare, again, does not impact the devil at all. Matter of fact, you know, uh, yelling at the, the devil in other tongues, having to scream and holler in tongues, none of that stuff affects the devil. You need to understand that. You can stand flat-footed and with a normal voice tone use the name of Jesus and cause stark terror to fall in the kingdom of darkness. All right? Amen. So learn that. Understand that. Now, there are times when vigorous prayer is needed. 
you know, and, and, and we need to do certain things spiritually. But make sure that in your heart, secretly in your heart, any activity that you're doing, spiritually speaking, okay, doesn't come from um, one of these, these things. I'm going to give you four things real quick, four little things. Um, you trying to do something to earn your freedom. Okay? In other words, if I act up enough, if, I, if, I, if I'm loud enough, if I pray in other tongues enough, if I read my Bible enough, I'm trying to earn my freedom. Okay? You can't earn your freedom. Praying in other tongues, spending hours in prayer, reading your Bible, there's nothing wrong with those things, and we need to do those things when it's appropriate, but none of those things earn your freedom. You cannot earn what Jesus bought and paid for you. Forget it. Don't try and earn it. Just simply receive it and walk in it. Okay? Here's the next thing. When I, when I participate in those fleshly activities, what I'm saying is, is that what Jesus uh, his work, Christ's work alone, surely cannot be enough. I must, I must do something. I have to have a part in this, okay? And, and there's nothing further from the truth. Now, again, we have to obey. We have to carry out what we need to do and what the Lord directs us to do. But uh, Jesus and what he did in his death, his burial, and his resurrection was more than enough to get the job done. He doesn't need you adding to the equation, okay? Here's the next thing. Uh, you know, we're doing these things because I'm trying to scream for my freedom, all right? You don't have to scream for your freedom. You don't have to get loud for your freedom, okay? Uh, you know, I need to purge myself of demonic activity, okay? Well, no, you don't. All you have to do, if you feel like there's demonic activity in your life, is, is take authority over it in the name of Jesus and use that authority and command it to stop and cease and desist, okay? And that's it, all right? The power is not in what we do is what I'm trying to say. The power is in the name of Jesus and what Jesus accomplished for us. The devil is not scared of you. He's scared of Jesus, okay? Now, he's scared of Jesus in you, but but you, little old me and you, he, he's not scared of us, okay? He is scared of Jesus in us. Now, what, what frightens him to no end is if we'll find out what Jesus has invested in us and the authority that we have in us in his name, all right? But little old me and you, okay, we're not going to have, we're not that important, all right? Can I just say it that way, okay? All right. So again, we always approach spiritual warfare from a place of victory that's already been obtained, okay? And again, I'll say this about your healing. Quit approaching healing as someone who's trying to get healed. Approach your healing as somebody who is already healed and you have an adversary that's trying to make you sick. Quit approaching God's blessing as you're trying to get God's blessing in your life. No, approach the, the blessing and prosperity of the Lord as I am already blessed and I have an adversary who doesn't want me to walk in that blessing and experience that blessing. Same thing with peace. Jesus already bought and paid the price for you to have peace on the inside. And, and you, you're not trying to get peace you have peace he is in the name it's in the name and in the person of jesus christ and somebody or circumstances are trying to take your peace from you i mean you can apply it to joy you can apply it to whatever that jesus bought and paid for those things already belong to you change the way you see yourself and don't look at yourself as somebody who's trying to get those things Look at yourself as somebody who already has those things and you have an adversary that's trying to get you not to walk in them, okay? 
And that's the way we have to approach this. I'm trying to, in the time that we have left, um, let's see. I have a bunch that I, that I had uh, wanted to map out for you. And uh, I'm tempted to wait because I don't want to give this partially to you. I want you to, to uh, be able to, to see this in its fullness because if you'll get a hold uh, of this next part, it'll change the way you approach your life spiritually. Okay, so let me make a couple more points and uh, we may stop a few minutes early and then I'll pick up at this other part next week because I don't want to give it partially to you. I don't want to give you one part and then we have to quit. Does that make sense? Because that's not fair. All right. So our goal in life is not to fight for our freedom and our deliverance. Rather, it is to freely accept or receive our deliverance and freedom that has already been procured for us. Okay. So, you know, again, so what happens when, uh, you know, sickness tries to come into our life or, um, you know, some financial attack, whatever. Healing has already been bought and paid for. What we do is simply receive what is already ours. We appropriate it. We receive it into our lives because it is an established fact. Okay, let me use salvation as an example. Uh, and we know this, and I'm not trying to insult your intelligence, but... Um, as far as salvation is concerned, salvation has already been done. The work has already been accomplished. Jesus has already died on the cross, been buried and raised from the dead. There's nothing more that he is going to do to purchase your salvation. It's already been done. The work is already completed. So what happens is somebody comes along anointed by the Holy Ghost and tells you the good news of that fact, you open your heart and simply receive what has already been done. Okay. And so therefore in doing that, we are born again. And so somehow we think, uh, you know, unfortunately religion and, 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 you know, just in general, we have thought we, we might understand that to a degree, but everything else Jesus bought and paid for, well, we have to do something. We have to, you know, uh, do something to qualify for that. We have to work hard to earn that. We have to, uh, you know, go to church every time the doors are open. We have to, I mean, all those things, and those are good, but listen, it's as simple as simply receiving what Jesus has already done for you. Your healing is already yours. Just simply receive it and say, it's mine. Now, here's where faith comes in. When the circumstances tell you that it's not yours, the, the, the stand of faith is, no, I believe that I receive what Jesus has already bought and paid for. It belongs to me already. And the circumstances have to get in line with that fact, with that truth that it's already mine. You know, when uh, if you're believing God uh, to bring you out of a, a, a difficult financial situation, understand this, that God's blessing, God's prosperity belongs to you because Jesus provided that for you. And all we have to do is simply receive it. Can I say this to you? You don't give and you don't tithe to get blessed. Amen. You give and tithe because you are blessed. Okay? Amen. Whole different mindset, but yet you'll have preachers that will tell you that if you will do those things, it will cause you to get blessed. Though we are already blessed because of what Jesus has already done. And we act on that blessing and obey God. And that's why we participate in giving and giving of our tithes. Okay. You're not trying to buy something from heaven. It's already been bought and paid for. Okay. It's as simple as we just receive it 
and we walk in it. Now, you can have that blessing on your life and never facilitate it, never do what is necessary for it to be released and activated in your life. But the fact of the matter is, you're not trying to get that onto your life and into your, 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 the who you are in Christ. You have already been given that through what the Lord Jesus has bought and paid for. Okay? All right. And I think we'll, we'll stop with that, and then I'll pick up with this next part next week. As I said, I just don't want to get this started and then have to end. Okay? I want to present the whole package to you. Now, you can cheat if you want to and go out there and look at the notes online and see what I'm talking about, uh, you know, which is fine. <laughs> Alan and Judy do that every week. They cheat. And uh, so does Matt. So anyway, but no, that's fine. Just you can go out there and you can look at that and begin to see because uh, it's, it's very, very powerful if we'll get into those things. And one thing I'm really excited about later on, uh, we're going to go over to Ephesians chapter 6 and look at the weapons of our warfare, the armor of God. And uh, with the help of Rick Renner, man, Rick has just spelled that out, laid it out so clear. Uh, and I'm, I, I'll, I got some pictures and things that I'll show you, which will really help you understand uh, a lot of the analogy that Paul was giving us in Ephesians chapter 6 and, and in other scriptures where it makes reference to the armor of God and so forth. And, uh, you know, when in his book, uh, by the way, if you, if you ha do not have his book called Dress to Kill, I highly recommend it. There it is. Matt's holding it up right there. It's a very, very good book. And of course, I love uh, his exposition on the, the, the Greek language and how he explains it and so forth. And, and I'm telling you, it just makes a huge, huge difference. All right? Thanks once again for tuning in to the Spring Hill Church podcast. We hope that you have been blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about the church, please feel free to visit us at springhill.cc.